you need to understand economics as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. Honestly, I could care less. No, that's not quite true. I don't care a whole lot about the economics of a country. You know, I mean, we argue the politics of the country and, and uh, people are always arguing about the economy and what we should be doing for it. I don't know. Uh, I, I've got my opinions, but I'm not sure my opinions are always right. I do remember this. I remember when I was in seminary, I can remember it almost as if it were today, and we're talking to 50 years ago, and uh, that's a fairly long time, but when you remember something that vividly, uh, a speaker came to speak in chapel when I was in seminary, and he gave a talk on economics. And I, I remember sitting in there and saying, what on earth is this talk doing in this chapel? It is inappropriate here. We do not need to hear a political lecture on the politics of economics, and he was really into it. Die-hard Puritan in his economic philosophy. Well, the Puritans didn't do a terrible job, folks. Don't be too hard on them. They're part of the whole fabric of American life. And they were earnest and sincere, but they made one big mistake. They mistook the New World. They mistook the colonies. They thought that was the kingdom of God. They really did. They thought that the kingdom of God had come to fulfillment in America. I mean in colonial America. That's why they left England. They knew that the Church of England just didn't understand, and so they said, we're going to show you, we're going to go on an errand in the wilderness, and the wilderness happened to be New England, and they came to New England, and they set up this whole thing. I mean, the, the government of the United States, folks, is Presbyterian, if you want to know it. It is a Presbyterian government with a president with with Senate and the House of Representatives. And that's why it got there, because they thought this was the way the kingdom of God was supposed to be set up. One big mistake. The big mistake is there's a huge difference between the kingdom of God and even colonial America or present-day America. As a matter of fact, uh, one of my very favorite people, Timothy Dwight, the president of uh, Yale University, the first president of Yale, or the second president of Yale, I named my third son after him. He thought clearly the kingdom of God had come to its fullness in America. The end of the ages had come to pass here. Well, it didn't. And the kingdom of God has its economics. And today particularly, I want to talk to you about what, is, what you get profit from in the kingdom of God and what is unprofitable. Is it important to you what profits and what doesn't profit? Is that important to you economically? Well, it surely is important to me. I want to be profitable. Now, there's two ways that you look at this. First of all, there is the personal economics of any government, of any kingdom. I mean, a kingdom is a government, just one kind. It happens to be the one that's going to last forever. It, it won't be a democracy in the kingdom of God. Uh, the Lord God isn't going to stand there. So now, how many are in favor of eternity? And then if everybody votes, you know, if a majority votes for it, we'll have an eternity, and if a majority doesn't, we don't have one. It's not going to be that way. I like democracy here, but I don't think I want a democracy in the eternal kingdom of God. I'd just soon to leave it to the all-holy eternity to run the place. But in the meantime, while we're here, it is terribly important that we understand what profits and what doesn't. Furthermore, 
there, there is personal profit, but then there is also the profit and what is unprofitable to the entire kingdom, to the entire realm. And we're going to talk about that day too. And also today, it's one of those days where the epistle and the gospel are so closely related. Now here's what St. Paul says to Titus. Titus, my son, this saying is sure. Now listen to this. I desire that you insist on these things. If he desires that of Titus, do you think he would desire it of me? Well, I need to insist on these things, and I will. I desire you insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to good deeds. Oh, that's where we're going today, folks. We're going to the application of ourselves to good deeds. That's sermon number one on the economics of the kingdom of God. Why? Because these things are excellent, or it could be translated good or beautiful. Excellence, okay. These things are excellent. That is good deeds. They are excellent and profitable to men. Now, that's one side, and we'll pick that up. The end of the passage is also going to say more about it. So he says, in the kingdom of God, there are certain things that are profitable and beautiful. And these are, in this case, good deeds, or good works. Now he's going to tell you what's unprofitable. Oh boy, do I understand this? Because I lived in this for many years of my life. But... And, you know, I went through this whole thing in the Greek text because I wanted to make sure that, that I understood what was being said here. He said, but avoid stupid controversy. And I wanted to say, now, did he really mean stupid? So I looked it up. Yep. Avoid stupid controversy. Genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels over the law. Too bad St. Paul didn't live in 21st century orthodoxy. Because, folks, we got a lot of quarreling and dissensions and stupid controversies over little nitpicky points of tradition. As if it were the most important thing in all the earth. Like your stupid priest standing down here where he ought to be up there somewhere, you know, somewhere else. Or, or, or how do we fast, you know? What are we supposed to do on Wednesday and Friday? You know, we have, we have law cops in the Orthodox Church. Did you know that? We have people that sneak around on Wednesdays and Fridays to see if you partake of anything you should not be partaking of. Ah, it's unprofitable. So much time gets wasted in the life of the church quibbling over the silliest part of the tradition. Seen as the law. Oh, you have to do it just right. Not just the fasting. Oh, little point of liturgical fineness of which I'm just really not even capable. I'm not very good at liturgical precision. But we can argue, I just came back from the parish life conference, and I go there and I hear priests arguing with the bishop over precise little dinky point. You know what St. Paul would say if he were in that meeting? He would have got up and he would have said, folks, 
This is stupid. That's what he says. And unprofitable. Oh, when I was a young man, and I was young once, some of you don't believe that. I was young. And I remember being amongst the men of influence in my denomination and sitting in the non-smoke, smoke-filled room because that was one of the rules. Nobody smoked. But we sat in the smoke-filled room and we were going to save the denomination from the liberals. And we... Oh, I think back now to the futility and the stupidity of it. It profited nothing. So we don't profit in the kingdom of God by arguing and quibbling over these little points. As a matter of fact, what do you do with those? Will you give them to the fathers of the Fourth Ecumenical Council? Or you give them to the bishops? Let it solve there. It's not profitable. It's futile. He contrasts excellent and profitable with futile and unprofitable. What's profitable in segment number one of the economics of the kingdom? Good works. And furthermore, down in the text, he says to Titus, and let our people learn to apply themselves to good deeds so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. You want to be fruitful, don't you? You want to profit? Well, one of the things you need to do is good works. Now, let's talk about this good works business. First of all, let's talk about what keeps you from doing a good work. Americans spend 16% by survey, 16% more time working than our counterparts in Europe. I don't know what it is in other countries of the world. I've never seen a study on that, but one came out recently of Americans 16% more time working, I mean, on the job, than Europeans, were, or the EU, working on the job. You're busy, aren't you? Most of you don't have much time extra, do you? Especially you poor mothers who have two or three or four children, and you find yourself, you're essentially nothing more than a taxi driver. Taking kids to ballet, to sports, to whatever. Or those of you, you have jobs, you work, you work many hours a week, you go to work early, you get home late. Your number one barrier to doing a good work is you don't have a lot of time to use. So if you're going to be profitable, you've got to find a place where you can do some good works, where you can get the time. Three things keep you, you understand this, three things are stand as your barriers against doing good works. One is time, that's huge, and one is money. Good works normally cost money, or at least many good works will cost money. They won't cost a lot. Not what he's talking about today, but they're going to cost some money, and often they're going to cost you talent. Now, now let's just talk about some good works. Now, he says, in cases of urgent need. Now, listen carefully. He said, in order to help cases of urgent need. It does not say cases of urgent requests. To do a good work is not necessarily to do what some person wants you to do. Frankly, there are people who want the church to help them every time, every time they turn around, they want help. That is not what St. Paul is talking about. The church is not a philanthropic organization that stands around 
ready to fulfill every social need of everyone on this earth. That's just not what we do. That's, at least that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about cases of urgent need. Now, let's take some of those. Uh, a mother. Do you know it's a good deed to help a mother who has a lot of children just to do one little thing, just a little thing to help ease her load, maybe just to help deliver one of her kids to something? Do you know that mothers love and hate at the same time? They hate the age 16. You know why they hate age 16 and why they love age 16? They love age 16 because now the kid can drive. They hate age 16 because now they're afraid the kid can drive. But they're glad somehow there's a little bit of a break. Somehow there's some help that's needed. When somebody's moving, you need help. You know, I did find out people can take advantage of that. Uh, some of you know that uh, I went through college, a good part of college. I had to make my own way, and I made most of that painting. And I went through part of seminary, painting. I got into a situation one time where everybody wanted me to paint, and my partner, who was here last Sunday, by the way, and they w we'd come home from work at 6 o'clock, and then they wanted us to paint till 10 for free doing their houses. Well, we did some. But we found out sometimes they were just taking advantage of us. You know, but you can help. You understand? When people need, people need, they, I mean, just little dinky things. They need help maybe packing. Or maybe somebody just needs a nice card. Maybe somebody just needs a phone call. Maybe somebody needs a letter. Barbara Ritchie used to write prisoners in prison. You know what it's like to get a letter when you're in prison? A personal letter? Just the littlest thing. Or even, and by the way, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you for a moment. I'm not chiding you, not scolding you. I'm helping you with what good works are. Do you know what you did to me because you didn't volunteer for the, for the coffee hour today? Do you know what you did? I went to Krispy Kreme this morning, and I bought donuts and had to drive all the way over to this church with Krispy Kreme in my car and not even eat one. That is cruel and unusual. You should have volunteered. That would have been a good work. You know, it's not hard to figure out what a good work is, is it? It's easy to figure out a good work. What, what's the difficulty about a good work is the doing of the good work. It's doing that nice little thing. It's picking up the phone and saying something that's kind. It's a gracious word in a time of need. It's an encouragement. When there's a baby born, there's help that is needed. You know, it used to be the moms and the mom-in-laws were always over there to take care, but we're such a mobile society. Just a little bit of help to help a new mother or to take care of one of the older kids for a little while. Folks, in any family, there are so many good deeds that you can do. I mean, church family. And so I am exhorting you and encouraging you because St. Paul said, I want you to insist on these things that our people do good work. Now, I said at the beginning of this, there's two sides, you look at this, both, pers both personal prophets and the prophets of the whole family, the whole nation, the whole kingdom, as it were. What I've talked about thus far is your prophet. It's profitable for you to do these things. 
It's how you lay up treasure amongst other ways. You lay up treasure in the kingdom of God. You lay that up for yourself by doing these things. It's one way. But secondly, in the gospel, in the gospel lesson, Jesus said, let, now he said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. What's the city that is set on a hill? It's the church, the present expression of the kingdom of God. That is what is talking about. The whole Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom of God, and the city set on a hill is the church. Who set the city on the hill? Jesus. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light under all that are in the house. Well, the obvious point is neither does God set a city on a hill or light a candle just to put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick so it gives light. And the exhortation then is, let your light, let the light of the kingdom of God, let your light so shine before men in order that, you know the rest of the verse? In order that they may see your good works. The light needs to be shown. That you need the light on, but the light is to go on in order that people can see your good works. It's not so they can see and say, oh, the Orthodox Church is the most wonderful church on earth. Or, Torrey Pines Christian is the most wonderful church on earth. Or, any church. That's not the point. The point is that they may see your good works with one result. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do you want folks to glorify our Father who is in heaven? Then let the light shine on our good works. Lesson number one in the economics of the kingdom of God personal ethics you will profit by doing good work you will not be profitable if you want to get in all these conflicts controversies and quarrels secondly in the area of the whole kingdom of god itself there is a great profit when we do good works folks i exhort you i encourage you do good deeds they are good and profitable to us all